0: Hi everyone, I'm Karina Givargisov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. And our tagline is for Fashion for Beauty for Good if you don't know it already. For this podcast, I speak to someone who recently celebrated their 30th anniversary at this leading luxury beauty company in New York. I met this person at the inception of Mission in his offices. He's always been kind enough to reply back to me when I've reached out, which I'm very grateful for. This person's worked closely alongside the founders of two of the biggest brands in the world, Mac and Tom Ford Beauty. They were teased when they were younger for never holding down a job, yet he has worked alongside Tom Ford for the past 16 years. Please tune in and listen to one of the most amazing people I've had the humble privilege of speaking with, the executive president of Estee Lauder, whose life motto is, if you can't see the future, you will never get there. Mr. John Dempsey. you a long time ago actually when i had the prototype and god i didn't know what i was doing then um and it's been it's been a real fight getting it this far but it's something that i truly believe in and it's uh i think 2017 was the initial the first issue that we came out with and um i just believe in it john you know like you do with mac and estee lauder and everything
1: what i love about it is it has a sense of purpose and an underlying core idea behind it. And the product itself is beautiful and memorable. And I think it's, you know, in the publishing world today, if the things that you publish don't have that keepsake sort of worth keeping aspect, it's 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 super hard in the digital highway.
0: Yes, yes. No, that's gosh, that's that's just for you to say that and acknowledge that means the world to me because we're in such a I'm in such a bubble sometimes just blinkered doing you know on my soapbox carrying on carrying on um, and it's something I'm very passionate about doing this. Yeah.
1: Are you are you living in you live in do you live in London?
0: Um, this actually I'm right now in the East Village so mission comes out of my living room in the East Village with generally with students um, and a bare bones staff. Um, but I'm going back to the UK on Saturday, so I'm between both. really but but we're a it's a New York born and bred entity, um, and it's um, and I think that's what resonates as well because philanthropy is very American. Um, but it's it's kind of I think there's a lot of the British sensibilities with it that uh, and there's quite a punkish rebellion in me anyway.
1: Well, there there, there is something to the Commonwealth. So, yes, uh, yes.
0: You.
1: The whole notion of the Commonwealth the crown and the colonies doing things and community related at the same time being subversive having a strong point of view standing for something at the same time being punk and traditional at the same time and being a juxtaposition of two things that don't go together that make it special I mean it's it's all the things I love about Britannia so it's a
0: I think what I really, you know, you, you've you always been a supporter of what I've really wanted to do. You always reply to my emails, which is incredibly kind because you're busy, you know, you've got such an enormous role at Estee Lauder, and um, I really value that, and you take the time. And, I mean, you're such – and I have to say, John, one thing I love is your Instagram. Oh, my gosh. It brings me such joy Thank on you. a regular basis. It's, it's- a,
1: it, 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 it started off – very innocently, my dogs are barking in the background here, so people can tell this is. Um, it started off basically as I was just trying to understand, which was so four years ago, or five years ago. I was trying to understand, you know, what was going on in the beauty space, and I wanted just to understand and participate in it. And somehow, during this period of the pandemic, and I've always had sort of a dark sense of humor, and sort of subversive sense of humor. And I started posting, you know, pictures of my dogs or pictures of my house or brand adverts or funny memes or crazy comics that I find on social media. And I started doing it like more and more and more and more and more, and more where it almost I, I, I turned myself into a streaming channel, a destination channel, and I didn't do anything. I didn't try to engage anyone. I didn't do the proper hashtag. I, I, I tried to credit the, the sources of where it, it came from, but I, I didn't go out to try to really do anything. And it, and, it, and, it, and it, and it was, and, and, and during those those darkest, darkest days, I would start getting these instant messages and people saying, "You know, you're the only reason I laughed today." I, I really admire the fact. Is do you really do this? I don't believe you really do this. Why would you do this? Are you capable of doing this? I didn't, and, I, and, it, and, it, and I always like to say I'm very focused in being unfo- unfocused and being unfocused because there's a method to the madness or madness to the method or whatever the case may be. And it, and it, and it really struck people in a in a meeting. And, I, and it's so much so that I, I, I'll go places and people will come up to me and tell me, like, how much they look forward to it every day. And I think, like, what a pressure. I mean, this is... <laughs> Yesterday yesterday I had all these meetings and all this work to do and I felt like where am I gonna get time to stream anything? And I and I then I I, I I went down the the, the the TikTok rabbit hole. Not I don't post anything or do anything on TikTok, but I follow it because I want to see what my daughter's up to. And I and and and, and all of a sudden going down the TikTok wormhole, I mean the Oh it's hours
0: later. Hours the later crazy,
1: the crazy, crazy iterations and people and the music and the thing, I just, I, it's become, it's become an endless or, I mean, I, I had one that I, I posted like the other day, got like, like 20,000 views. I was like, like how, how is this possible? I mean, it's wow. just, and it just, it's just stuff that, you know, i think like sort of appeals to me. I, I try super, super hard to be inoffensive to anybody. I have not always been successful. I mean, I I did have an Estee Laundry call out that accused me of being privileged or, you know a misogynist or whatever case. And quite honestly, which I took was really upset about because there couldn't be anything farther from my, who I am at all. But, you know, I, so I, I always, I always think about it. I mean, if I, if I go too far, Catherine sends me a message and says, take it back. (laughs) You know, so I, I, I never want to offend anybody. Yes. Yes. It's, it's it's just, it's done. It's done actually to try to make people actually feel good about the day. It's also,
0: Things I'm, I'm imagined because this is how I look at it, you found that are humorous, um, and that's, I mean, and, it, and there's a huge difference, as you know, between um, uh, comedy in the UK and comedy here. Well,
1: I, I love British comedy.
0: I know, you, I can tell from your Instagram you do. <laughs> I, I,
1: I would love to. I, I actually, I've, I've, like, I've, I've actually, I've never actually had, like, I don't think I only did it once. I have never really reposted, have you been served? <laughs> or some of those crazy, <laughs> those crazy British...
0: Do you know Faulty Towers?
1: Yes, I do, and I just when when I, when I look at them, and I just think it is so not PC in and in, in, in an American sort of sentiment, and it's just it's beyond funny. It's just it's just beyond funny, and it's and it's very smart and sarcastic. Sometimes a little mean and bitchy. Sometimes almost naive and, and innocent. I, I don't know. It's just there's something about it I I've always loved. British and if you want to go even more base, Australian humor. So Yes, so.
0: yes. No, it's, 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 there's there's very similarities there, and I think that's I do agree with that. that's that's what I love about your Instagram. And um, but also it's, it's educational, you know. You say how old is your daughter? Is she young? My daughter's daughter thirteen. Sorry, so. let me say that. that was rude. to Say young. I mean Gen Z's millennials. No,
1: they, no, no. She's, no she's, she's 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 I guess I guess she's Gen Z. I don't know what the, the cutoff is actually. She's she's thirteen, and I'm I'm many times over thirteen. And I've always said that it's always a thing in life of how to know when to show up and to leave a room or when to know when something's age appropriate or not or how to stay relevant. And I and my daughter actually has been my insurance policy. to Understand another generation coming the same way that I used my niece and nephew or my goddaughter or all my friends, kids or I've always tried to surround myself with young people and people of incredibly diverse backgrounds, because I, I, I really want to know what people think and I may agree or not agree.
0: Well, it it starts in a conversation though, isn't it? It's having a conversation and and bringing these, you know, to attention. It's so, I, I can see pop culture is probably very important to you as well.
1: It's the most of it for me. It's my, it's my reference point. It's, it's how I grew up. I'm a child, of you know, television, MTV, videos, magazines, newsprint, paparazzi, rag sheets, documentaries, art films. I mean, movies. I, I mean, i i I've always loved content, and I've always loved beautiful imagery and pictures, and I've always loved biographies. Actually, I'm more of a person that reads a biography than reads a, a, a reads fiction. Yes,
0: yes, me too. I love documentaries.
1: I love documentaries. I love, um, I love watching, you know, criminal intent murder mysteries. I love, <laughs> I love looking at the the, 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 the husband killer or did the, I, I, I always love all those crazy sort of things that, I don't know why they're on TV every Sunday on NBC or something, but I, I find it, I don't know, interesting.
0: Yes, yes, and you see, I guess you see a shift in, you know, be, being at the most important luxury uh, beauty company in the world with TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat. How the younger generation, how they, how they look now with the filters and the makeup. I mean, that must that's changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? Well,
1: it's, it's changed. It changed the entire notion of how people look or how people consume content I mean it's it, it, you know you see these funny sort of memes where they show like pictures of teenagers today dancing at a party 30 years from now showing them just like dancing in place putting their hands up and down like not even moving on the floor because you have people that you know I, I had a, a a thing with 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 the matt team that we're talking about you know having a you know a launch party we're doing a launch party for a, a, a high-profile celebrity and, and I thought like we used to be. We have to. Like, Who are we going to get on the list? And how are we going to get five hundred people here? And I looked at Catherine and I said, "We just need five people with one hundred million followers. Everybody will think we're at the party." I said, so it, it's and and it's just I don't know. And everybody, it's just a different way of of interfacing and communicating in this world. So it's um, it's um, yes. Yeah, so my 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 daughter is a um, a continual source of um, of inspiration. It also keeps me having to keep my language more PC.
0: <laughs> I have um like I was saying, I've got youngsters that the, I call them the kids now because I'm fifty and they're in we have interns that are in there 18-year-olds that write for us and one of them did a feature recently and we looked at it on Google Docs and there was a word. I crossed it out and I put typo and then we went on a Zoom call and I said, You spelt that wrong? She goes, No, that's slang. I went, What? And I said, What's it for? And she went, It's it's it means um I'm a fan of and the word is stan, s-t-a-n. And I said, "Well, what?" I said, "Just use proper English." What's wrong with you? And they all thought it was hysterical and said to me, "Karina, every generation has their own language." And I and I went to work, "Not at this school, love." I said, "You know, well, I want proper journalism, please." And- I
1: never, I never became. I probably would love Twitter, but I never became an advocate of Twitter because I couldn't understand the vocabulary. So, but 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 in this sort of hashtag digital universe, there are meanings and phrases and symbols that take on a whole different. Context, I guess something primordial, something primordial about it. I guess.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I think you know. You, I want to touch back on your talking about pop culture, and you've always loved that. And you, um, it's you know, you think about you were significant, significant role in, in Mac and Viva Glam, and you think about when that launched, how revolutionary that was in the, you know, at the time. It was huge, and having that, you know, embracing the LGBT community and raising over what's it, five hundred million dollars. It's huge. I mean, I think it's remarkable. Um,
1: the fact that it's still alive, the fact that we still do it, the fact that we still work on ways to make it relevant and to make it interesting. Um, you know, and I listen. I can't take credit for the creation of Viva Glam. The creation of Viva Glam was done by the two Franks who founded the company. Um, it was done three years before I entered into the brand. And they had the brilliance of casting RuPaul is the boy is the girl and Katie Lang is the girl is the boy. So they they really had that brilliance and it was their idea on a 100% giving model. And when I arrived at Mac in 1998 and everyone was just terrified, like, who is this guy coming in here? Who's this suit? And I remember, you know, Leonard Lauder and Fred Langhammer, who was the CEO of our company at the time said to me, you have only one thing and one thing to do. They said, go to Toronto, find mac and make it more mac than it ever was and i and I, I i literally went into a room of all these frontline artists and things and learned about their passions and their desires and their belief on makeup and the power of community to transform society and my viva glam journey started with mary j blige and little kim
0: i <gasps> a massive fan i love hip-hop and
1: wow. i so i understood that hip-hop was the code the language of the generation of the '90s and going into the millennial, and I, and I, so and I, over the course of these, I, 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 we've signed like so many people. I mean, it just—it's just like the list goes. When 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 I when I watch like you know you know the, the the Brits or the VH1 or MTV Awards, it's like a Mac casting reunion. I mean, every everybody who shows up there or who's accepting a Grammy or getting an award or getting a a, 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 an MTV Moonshot Award. All these people were part of like a generation that grew up on Mac. So that that that's something that I'm um, incredibly proud of. And it's and it's um, it was something that I I love doing personally.
0: Well, it must be rewarding to give back as well to have that you know.
1: It was. It's been incredibly rewarding, and it and it also was incredibly fun. I mean, we 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 seem to forget sometimes that. People also like to have fun people want to feel good about what they're doing or good about their purpose and people want to feel successful and then people want to be seen. So that, that was, that was an amazing opportunity that I've had over all these years to be able to be part of that and direct part of that. And I've worked with, you know, amazing creative directors over the years. I I worked with an icon named James Gager for years and years and years, you know, Created the most incredible campaigns, and you know, now we have Drew Elliot you know, working with Philippe Penatel as our global brand president. But 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 you know, Drew is you know when I met Drew, he was manning the door at a club that Mac was sponsoring a fashion week party.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And the police came or the fire department came because there were too many people and they weren't going to let me in. And Drew went to them and said, "You have to let him in." He paid for the party. <laughs> so it literally he was he was a design student who grew up in a mac world and it and it to see it full circle now and to see him you know at the creative helm of the brand it's it's nice to see what a generation began
0: god you have just given me goosebumps because actually you've made me realize there's someone else we have in common rory gevis
1: oh, of course i so rory rory gevis is the o g so i actually drew Drew actually brought Rory back to Mac full-time because she, took, she had taken a trip out into the desert to sort of leave us. And um, she's, she's an exotic flower. And she has an amazing, strong, iconic point of view. And it's unapologetic. And not everybody likes it. And I respect people who have a strong point of view. And- she,
0: she was my boss at Women's Wear Date. So I went to St. Martin's Art School And I just jumped on a plane to come to New York. I had no job, nowhere to stay. I've got a year out, give it a bash, see how it goes. Um, And I landed at W Women's Wear Daily. um, And she interviewed me, and she took me under her wing. And we were so similar, John. I would go into work in a grey sports max, wide-leg, double-breasted suit. She would turn up 20 minutes later, exactly the same. And she's just took me under her wing, and we've recently reconnected. She's wonderful.
1: She's vibing a younger Irish outfall vibe right now, with with the glasses and the. And she's a she's a great painter too, actually. Yes,
0: yes, she is. She
1: and is. She, and actually, she's younger in spirit than people a third her age.
0: Yes, she is. And so she really mentored me, and you you were mentored by Leonard Lauder. I mean, that's that's remarkable. What an experience, and what a privilege.
1: I've had amazing mentors over the years, actually. You know, I've I, I, already had me as an, over, I was an, I was an overnight sensation. Didn't really become a sensation until I was 40 years old. So I, I like to say there were there, were, there, were, there were like 15, 16 years in there on a lot of jobs with a lot of amazing bosses and people that I worked with and a lot of second ringer and third ringer jobs that I had that made it look like I effortlessly just arrived because it didn't happen overnight. And it wasn't, it wasn't handed to me. And it wasn't always like this. And, you know, I, and I, I really um, am lucky that um, in the Lauder family with Leonard and William, and, you know, the extended Lauder executive family, you know, from our CEO, Fabrizio, to all the other brand executives, to all the people who work here, I, you know, it, it's funny, it never felt to me like work. And I used to think I, I, I care more now because because the li- life has more responsibilities. I used to think that I should be paying them to do this.
0: Wow, because you love it that much.
1: I really, I really, I really felt that way about what I was doing. I really felt that it was like a privilege and an honor, and that as long as I continue feeling inspired and have something to contribute and learn something, I feel in it, and it's it's in it and it. I feel as much today as I did thirty years ago when I joined the company.
0: Did you ever think you'd be there for thirty years? Did you think?
1: I actually never. No, actually, the, the joke, the joke among circles in New York was I was the guy who never held a job longer than a year and a half.
0: Wow! Really? Oh my gosh! You
1: know, I, I was flipping jobs so frequently in my early in my mid twenties. It used to be like a joke, and then the, the joke of the matter was I'd run into all these people who used to make a joke about it and say I'm the person who's held a job longer than anybody that you know.
0: <laughs> you know, my mother used to say that actually to me. um My, my Irish Catholic mother, she, she'd say, "You never stick at anything," and she'd wag the finger at me, and she'd she'd shove piano lessons at me. And I was going, "Mom, can I just play the drums, please?" I'm a real tomboy, and she just said, "You never stick at anything." And I often think of that with mission. Like I'm not quitting. It's the one thing I've stuck with, and I love it. And it's the same as what you said. I work 13 16 hours a day, and and I can't imagine doing anything different. It's it's not. I don't see it as a job either, because I love it.
1: Because I, people always say to me, "Well, well, what's next?" I next is where I'm at. I mean, that's 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 how I that's how I feel about it. So it's. Um,
0: well, I guess discovering you know other brands to bring under the stable that is probably the exciting.
1: No, I great I love. I'm I'm super inspired by the entrepreneurship that's in the world. I'm super inspired by a lot of these younger founders, brands, voices. I, you know, I think it's a, it's an incredible, said, it's a competitive competitive threat. It's an incre- incredible inspiration and it's a source of new business and new talent, but it's, it's, it goes to show you that still in today's world, if you have a great point of view and a remarkable product and something to say that you can, you can make it, you, 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 can, you can, you can make it. And it's, 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 you would, you would think that I guess the digital Ecosystem in some ways became very democratic, um, at least in the beginning, because it was sort of like you know the audience is listening, but you know it it, it 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 does have sort of that Star Search, talent dancing with the stars voice aspect to it because somebody somewhere that nobody ever saw before can be seen, and it's um it's it's interesting. There needs to be something there. It doesn't just happen. yes
0: yes. What was it like bring, working with, like going after you know, Tom Ford and having him come be part of the Estee Lauder? Was, I bet that was exciting.
1: I've I've worked on nearly every brand in our corporation. I knew Estee Lauder. She was in her last years of her life when I came to work for the company. My original experience of Estee Lauder was foundational for me. But the two things I would say are sort of define my, my professional career would be my work at Mac and actually the work that... I've done with Tom for these past 16 years. So I had known Tom because Tom actually tried to hire me when he was um, when he was running, you know, Gucci and Sandler. And I met him, and we really had a, a real connection. And we we stayed in touch. And I, um, when he left Gucci, you know, um, a mutual friend through Aaron Lauder actually had connected um, connected us. And um, we sat down and talked about wanting to create the great next designer brand of the world. And I have to tell you, there weren't that many great designer brands of the world that had been success stories in a meaningful way, beyond some fragrance license businesses. And you know, a lot of people had failed at it. You know, Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, a lot of European designers, there, there'd been a lot. And I had had the idea that at the time when I was running the Estee Lauder brand, along with Mac, that... Tom Ford could help Estee Lauder sort of reimagine its heritage. And we did these incredible collections um, around sort of the Azure Riviera position of the brand of Endless Summer and Youth Do, which was the iconic fragrance of the company which Estee created, which Tom Ford's grandmother wore. So it was, you know, he grew up in, in, in you know, in, in Texas. So he, you know, where, you know, Estee Lauder is sort of, you know, it's just like it's ground zero four for for the Lauder brand, and as a result of the Estee Lauder collaboration, we had agreed to start on building a Tom Ford beauty business, and our first product was Black Orchid, and the um, and the and the, the the evolution of the brand. I on I, listen, I, I I always knew we would be successful to some level. I had no idea, though Tom, um, did, that we would become Really, a a beauty, you know, hallmark around the world.
0: Well, the package is gorgeous. I have a lot of the lipsticks, and the packaging reminds me of my mother.
1: I will tell you. I will tell you one thing. Um, there's not one product on the brand, or one image, or one thing that's done on this brand that he's not personally involved with. So he's an amazing product savvy, talented person. And once again, I was I'm like, like I, you know. I'm lucky because I've always been able to work with really talented people. I mean, so it's all about, Lauder taught me that. And if you if you surround yourself with the right talent and the right people and put the right business fundamentals in, in place, you'll have a success. And people try to copy a lot of the things that I've been fortunate enough to be part of a success. And by the way, not everything I've done has been a success. Um, I I And it always comes down to why something works versus not so, it comes down to the people. It comes down to the the, the the core idea. Do
0: you think that's why he's successful? Because he oversees everything, it's his vision and it's his taste level and his aesthetic.
1: I think he's he understands seduction. He has a point of view relative to glamor. He understands aspiration. He was an actor. He was a design student. He was a filmmaker, so he understood more immersive storytelling and the importance of product and the importance of having a strong point of view. And, um, so yes, it's been very, it's been very successful. And, um, we're having, um, who would have thought that during the time period that no one left their house, that this would be the most successful period for luxury designer fragrances ever.
0: Wow. I never knew that.
1: So it's, it's, it's a phenomenon now. And it's, and it's, and I, I guess you get credit when you have a superior product. You have something to say. And I, and I think that the, the quality of the things that we've created together have a, a strong point of view. And the things that work the best for us are the things that have a strong point of view. The things that work the less best for us are the things that actually other people would think would be more commercial. There's always that tension in fashion and beauty between having a strong, everyday, sustainable business driven by core basics and at the same time being able to take risks or to put things out there that make you interesting or desirable and it's a it's a balance
0: are there things that you want to do still within like a brand that you haven't yet had the chance to do yet because maybe it's been a little risky or too un-pc or the brand's not there yet
1: in general i usually find someone to accommodate my 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 obsessive compulsive, you know, desire. I, I still can't. I still can't get anybody to sign up for Jennifer Coolidge. I pushed the. I ba- I I've, I've, I've pushed boundaries. I. The one thing today is everything you do and you don't do says something about yourself. So there is a. I have a a stronger sense of the impact, both positively and negatively, of what we do can have on people and society. And try to keep it, keep it positive and keep it aspirational or inspirational. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, it it's, 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 it's in, in beauty. And, you know, I know there've been so many books, so many articles, so many things written about the beauty myth and societally men and women and roles and what's beautiful or not beautiful or things that are tribal or, you know, nationalistic or individualistic or, and there are so many different ways of seeing beauty in so many different sizes shapes and forms, and interestingly enough, people many times play the role of different people all being the same person so um, so I understand that
0: yes what well, what task do you think then is in- intrinsic to your job that most people wouldn't expect
1: well it's, it's part of my job also I have the the, the honor of of working with um all the creative directors actually of all the brands in the company. And I do that from I do that from behind the scenes. And shaping or making sure that we have a diverse slate of talent, unique brand positioning, understandings of fundamentally appreciation of who our customers are, and supporting and nurturing people with ideas and allowing people to have a safe space to take risks and at the same time To take the obstacle obstacles out of the way to allow people to bring things to life So i I think that that part of the job i find myself many times in a translation role because you know people often say about me they never know really how to quite describe me and they you know they say that i'm creative people think of me as a suit and suits think of me as a creative person and I have the ability of understanding or translating everybody's agenda or purpose and bringing it together. And, it, and that that that's the part.
0: That's kind of, yeah, that's like, um, that's interesting when you go into a meeting and you don't, they don't know how to, they look at the suit and think it's corporate. And then you come up with these incredible ideas and very visionary in the zeitgeist. And that must be, that must be so fun.
1: Actually, some of the people who are half my age are so much more conservative than I am. So I, um, and by the way, I appreciate things that are conservative and classic. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't judge actually. It's um, I see everybody's point of view and I understand there's a brand and a position for everyone. And that's,
0: that's a very rare viewpoint to be that nurturing as well. That's sort of
1: come from the extensive time working for a family owned company.
0: And also, and also to be mentored as well for them. To take the time to nurture you and, and build you into, you know, into the fold of the business.
1: When I first when I first came to work at Estee Lauder, I thought actually I was going to get fired. I was convinced that, that I was I was that was it.
0: Why? What did you do something in particular or it was just generally
1: <laughs> I, did a, I did a couple things that were wrong. First of all, I um I showed up at work the first day at a brown suit, and I didn't know that Estee Lauder didn't trust men who wore brown suits.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: I had an honest conversation with Leonard on our first branch tours, like in California. I don't know. I sort of brought something forward and sort of struck a nerve. And I thought I could. And I, I thought he was so upset with me, and he didn't realize actually how much actually he appreciated me. And it was um, it was interesting. I mean, um,
0: was that because of your honesty?
1: I was honest. It, it, it comes a bit from the Midwestern part. So you know, I grew up in the Midwest. So there is something sort of Ted Lasso-like of, of, of growing up in the Midwest.
0: I think that's also very much, a. a I, I mean, I've never, I've always been freelance as a stylist in, in America and I'd never, I say to people, I'd never last in corporate world for more than a month. And often I've been told it last a couple of days. My mouth would just get me into trouble the whole time because I'm, I'm brutally honest and really say what I think. This is I just maybe think of Rory Gevers because her and I were having this conversation not that long ago. Um, but when you say something genuine and, and um, kind and lovely, they know you mean it and it's not BS.
1: People you know, sometimes may not even think I'm for real or whether it's real or not, but I am actually. And um, I tell people, if they ask my opinion, I'm gonna tell them what I think. And if somebody proves me wrong, I'm not too proud to say I was wrong. Um, but I have to right, I try to impart upon people is one of the curses and gifts of getting older is that your experience teaches you a lot of lessons. Um, sometimes it makes you afraid to do things and other times it's very liberating to understand what was done in the past or what didn't matter. And I and it's a it's a, it's, it's 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 a tension between the two. And I um I don't know it's um uh,
0: I think as well just listening to you and knowing like when you're saying about um the Tom Ford and um the sale you know the reach during covid was The the most they've ever done, and with all of that in pandemic, and I guess you've had to shift as well away from thinking how things are done, different way, creative way, and and think really thinking outside the box, which I feel is really how you work anyway. Is like you're not.
1: I, I, I never would have understood to use a corporate expression, a consumer purchase journey, more of understanding how people use digital product to actually make purchasing decisions. I mean the reorientation to actually how you buy bread and butter or how you order a meal or a ride or watch something or see a trailer or binge or explore or how do you see the world without leaving your room it's a it's 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 it was incredibly liberating in some respects because you got i i i believe that we all got a way to understand the connectivity and where Technology and where communications and branding and selling was going. Anyhow, it just happened earlier than it ever would have happened. I never thought that we'd be like the Jetsons or you know watching you know science fiction or on Star Trek watching you know the fact that we have screen to screen conversations and people on the phone. You know, I, I posted a funny meme today that I, I remember actually when you made your long distance phone call after several.
0: I saw that
1: <laughs> because it was too expensive. <laughs> this, we used to, my parents used to put a clock on our phone calls because the cost of making a telephone call or a long distance call was super expensive. You had to, you had to get a line, I mean, to, you know, to do an overseas call.
0: I've got in the cupboard here, a fax machine in the office. And I haven't had a chance to throw it out, but I've got this big clumpy old thing that just looks like it should be in a museum.
1: But at the same time, now that we're coming out of the house, made some mistakes too. It doesn't really look exactly the same in person as it does on the screen. Merchandising, the store experience, the pro, you, you, there is a role and there is an interplay of human interaction, dialogue, conversation that matters. And dehumanizing everything long-term can't be successful because inherently we're we're, we're, we're social beings and relationships and context matter. So, you know, it's and I you know the world is in this very polarized schizophrenic swings that are going on right now between all or nothing or more or less or have or have not or and you know the, the world has been profoundly disrupted everywhere and as the world tries to emerge it's not all figured out yet. And so I, you know, it's um it's it's it's, it's, it's a sort of a lesson in life. It's the struggle never ends. Um, and, and 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 Estee Lauder had a mantra that no one would ever could ever tell her that something was good enough um, because she believed that her customer expected more than enough. That's a very subtle thing, but that's sort of the underpinning of everything we do in our company. And we don't take the customer for granted, or understand, or try to shortchange shortchange them. At least not consciously. So.
0: Well, John, I, I want to. I've taken up a lot of your time, but i I. I really love listening to you, and I think it's so. I learn a lot listening to you, and also learning, hearing the heritage of, the Lauder company, and and your your journey has been, a privilege.
1: It's 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 been so much fun talking to you. I mean, it's it's kind of random that how how does having worked for the Estee Lauder companies and Estee Lauder and the family and counterculture Mac. And sexy, glamorous Tom Ford. How do they? What do they have in common? You know, what they have in common is a, an understanding of the power of transformation of beauty,
0: in an unapologetic way as well.
1: All three brands are unapologetic. And um, listen, Mike, my, Mike, my, my, I don't even talk about it because I—it's been part of my work experience now, going on seven years. The Clinique brand is the cult brand that people don't even understand how big of a cult it really is. It has. Some of the richest, most iconic, differentiated content, point of view, editorial, you know, it just, it's, 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 once again, it's just, a, it's like a privilege to be able to work on these things.
0: Well, I, I, I think you've got a very lucky job and I'm glad you've stuck at it for 30 years. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, oh, I'm honestly, I'm so privileged that you've given me the time to, to speak to me and, um, and just share your journey with us it has been, uh, thank you so much, John. And I'd love to do another one like further down the line and talk some more because I just, yeah, you're very inspiring.
1: I'd love, love, I'd love to. And, and um, as I said, I love what you do and I love the quality of what you do. And I I love the fact that somebody else appreciated Rory Jervis.
0: Oh, she's, 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 yeah, she mentors me and she's. No, but, it, but, it, but,
1: it, but it's, you know, it's a very unconventional thing. Um and you know it's um I, I I love the fact that Drew actually embraced her in such a way as if she were twenty one years old.
0: Yes, well she has that character in her, and that's what I love about her. She's got this joy, There's just I don't know this um. She's just bubbly and fun and honest and direct and yeah, everything that I love about her. And
1: I think Simon Dumans, Simon Doonan wrote a book once called Wacky Chicks <laughs> and I've always loved Wacky Chicks.
0: Yes, yeah, there you go. What a great note to end on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to John Dempsey. Our next guest is someone that we featured in our last issue, The Human Issue. We talk about her calling, spirituality, institutionalized racism, and why she decided to launch the Black Reformist Movement. After stumbling onto a Black Lives Matter protest last May 31st, I learned how that day turned out to be a pivotal point that changed her life's trajectory. Please tune in for our next podcast guest with Amron Ayrton. Thank you, everybody. Take care and be well.